and the script will be different than what you would want to write. Yeah. And sometimes it goes in a way that you're like, look what the Lord has done. It's way beyond what I ever expected. And sometimes the script is, I don't know what the ch next chapter is going to hold, but I'm holding out for the next yeah, chapter right. to be better yeah. than yeah. this one. So, yep. Yeah. Welcome to this week's episode of The Follow-Up, where we recap this week's sermon so you can grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus. I'm here with Pastor Jack and Pastor Bill. Welcome, guys. Hello. Thank you. You're welcome. We are diving into Revelation chapters 17 and 18 today, and we've got some questions. Are you guys ready to dive in? I love these questions. I'm so, excited. So ready. <laughs> First question, what are the key characteristics of Babylon as described in these chapters, and how do they reflect the societal or spiritual challenges we face today? Hmm. Well, Babylon's a prostitute. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it was, I mean, the imagery of this, of this, these two chapters are just, it's so vivid. I joked actually um, on Sunday that like, if we were to draw a picture of this, we would immediately have to like blur it out on the screen. <laughs> so you have this harlot who, or this prostitute who's sitting on this beast. And that's, that's supposed to be Babylon. The harlot and the, and Babylon are one and the same. And, um, if you notice what, what she looks like, she is dressed in all this opulence, right? Like she's, you know, has all these like garments on that are like flashy. Um, she's holding a cup of all the deplorable things you mm -hmm. could think about. And, um, so the idea that you're supposed to get there is that Babylon's characteristics are attractive, but it's an evil attractive, right? And it's like the idea I think you're supposed to gain from that is that sin is alluring, that like that way of Babylon is supposed to draw you in to want to do that. And so it's it's kind of things like wealth. Like we can be drawn to wealth in a way that's unhealthy and evil. Not that wealth itself is, but there could be ways that we are like, we want wealth so badly that we're willing to sin to get it. And so that's kind of just a small example of that. I go back to scripture says enemy basically has three tools in his tool belt. It's the same one that the beast uses through the prostitute, lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, pride of life. Mm -hmm. What's going to make me feel good. What's going to make me look good. Um, and what's going to, um, what's going to satisfy me. Mm -hmm. And every one of the things as we get into the later chapters, every one of the things is about what's going to feel good to me. Hence the prostitute picture. Right. Um, what is going to make me prideful? All the kings coming in, the tie to royalty, the tie to titles. And then what do I get out of it? Everything that's sold, that the, the money I make. So yeah. that kind of the lust of flesh, lust of the eye, pride of life are the the same thing of Babylon then is the same thing of Babylon today. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's human nature. It's going to draw on the weakness of our human nature, what you were saying, stuff that's not bad in and of itself but becomes our idol. Yes. That's the goal of the prostitute. Yes. Come on. Absolutely. You know, that's the goal. Yep. Next question. In what ways do the chapters describe the consequences of corruption and idolatry? And how can we apply this understanding to our own lives? Yeah, the consequences, that's a really interesting part of these two chapters because what we find is that, you know, this prostitute, which represents Babylon, is riding a beast and you would think like, oh, like they're in cahoots and they're going to win and all this other stuff. But what you find is that the beast, this like power and the authority of the evil one turns on the prostitute yeah. and like devours her, you know? And so um, kind of the consequences is inherent there is that like 
evil will eventually fold in on itself yeah, it will. and it'll it'll lead to destruction much like you know somebody who is like i don't know i guess an example would be like bernie madoff right like he used ill-gotten gains and this you know this scheme to take money from all of these different people and what was what was the end of his thing well he got convicted you know like he was thrown in prison he he had all the consequences for that and so when we pursue things in our lives in a way that isn't honoring to god it's on a personal level it's like that's the path of destruction like the very thing that you're getting is going to lead to destruction yeah and i it's 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 not going to last long. I mean, I, I love the picture of these kings get to be kings for one hour. Yeah. Like when you look at the, the totality of eternity or even existence, one hour. That's yeah. all you got. You're on the clock. Like you, got, you get the pride, you get the fame, you get the glory, you get the money, you get the woman, you know, the, the whatever satisfaction for one hour. And yep. then it's like you're saying, it's going to implode. Um, I, I also love the picture. Nancy Guthrie in Blessed points out that you know, Babylon is talked about here. It talks about the city of seven hills. We know it's the Roman Empire, which was very much about gratification. Right. But you can go back to the original Babylon or Assyria or yep. Rome or Greece and then move forward now and then into the future until Christ's return. Like every kingdom is going to kind of build on itself with these things. Like what's going to please me? And they may even slap God's name on it. Mm -hmm. Like look how much I can make for me. Um, but and, and it's God's blessing. But are you handling it the way God says? And that's right. a sermon in itself, a message in itself. But yeah, I th I think that 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 the wealth, that the results of sin, the wages of sin is death. Right. You know, so it's not going to be long long lived. Yep. Question three: Discuss the role of the quote kings of the earth unquote in these chapters. What does their relationship with Babylon symbolize in a broader spiritual context? They're they're pawns. Mm -hmm. Everything, and this is, the, this is the cool picture if you'll read all of the passage about the beast and the prostitute, and there's so many things written about what they, people are saying the prostitute is or who it is. Mm -hmm. Take it in context. We know it's the empire and really in a bigger picture. John never says Rome, but he says city on seven hills, which it's still known as. There is, there's this idea of the empires of the world. Like This mm -hmm. is the picture. He never says Rome, and I think I, I love that he didn't. But these kings could play right into it. They just get sucked into it. They they look at her and they're like, she's hot. You know, and yeah. that's all they're about is what I can get from the prostitute. Mm -hmm. They play right into it. Forget the fact that the cup of the prostitute is full of blood, you know, and, right. and abominations. It's like, I, I'm willing to ignore that because she mm -hmm. looks good. Right. So I think the kings get played into as a pawn. They get sucked into it. Um, and once again, their kingdoms are short-lived. Yeah. And I would just add to that, like, I, I thought that you could actually really bring this into like modern day and realize that um, this is something that people in power and people with wealth and the people in the upper echelons of our societies, it's it that when you get to that level, that is a huge draw yeah. is this idea of Babylon yep. and, and just like kind of bathing in this luxury and like wanting that so badly that it corrupts you. And so, like, it, it's kind of like a warning, right? Like, don't make sure that, like, you're not lusting for the things of this world that are that are eventually going to get devoured anyway. And I, I would add to that, and poo, I hate to even say it, but it's so true. I don't care what field you're in, including, like, pastors. Like, yeah. you've got to be careful. 
anytime you've got authority and you've got power that, and you can get away with stuff, right? You know, that's what we see with the prostitute. And that's what we see with those getting sucked into that picture. So the accountability piece for any of us in ministry, anyone, any of us leading, any of us who can get away with this stuff, Ooh, you please keep those pieces in place. You know, I, 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 I understand who I am, you know, and it ain't all that. I know I need an elder board. I know I have accountability both yeah. within and without of the church because the, the allure of, like you're saying, of being in a place of, of influence can be dangerous if yeah. you don't have these things. So. Yeah, it definitely can be. And um, I'm holding myself back from talking about the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and just as a quick side note, if any of you guys are feeling like you're wanting that accountability, you don't have that, um, here at Spring Lake, we offer life groups. Yeah. So if that is something that you're interested in, as both of you guys, we're all, we're part of life groups yes, here on staff. Yep. Yep. Um, that is something that is really great to be able to have a group of people to hold you accountable for the different things that you have going on in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, multiple levels of accountability. Yeah. Absolutely. Including life group, yep. Yes. Okay, question four. How do you interpret the call to come out of her, my people, in Revelation 18.4? What does this mean for Christians today? Yeah, I think this is actually referring, I think Jack and I had a point about living life in Babylon's shadow. Yeah. Yep. And um, we kind of referenced that that exact passage and talked about how, like, we can't escape Babylon altogether. It's right. all around us. It's represented by the governments and the systems of this world, yeah. and it's alluring, and we're going to be in its shadow. But what this passage is telling us is, hey, make sure that you as a believer are separate from it, like that you've separated yourself. It says come out. The idea is like you don't live um, to please that system. You live to please God. The things you do should be faithful. You you should be faithful to Christ in those things. And so it's living life in a different way than 99% of the people around you. Yeah, the, the simple way to say I think you said it well, is in, not of, you know, in the churchy yes. world I kind of grew up in, you're, you're in it, but you're not of it. Yep. You know, it doesn't get in you. You're in it, but it's not in you. Right, So absolutely. Yep. And and honestly, that really does take a super conscious effort to oh, do. It does. I absolutely. think I think a lot of times um, there's a lot of believers who go into kind of coasting mode and they're like, it's, it's like, my Bible study and, and going to church and doing these things. And it's all everything else that the world has to offer. And I can do both. And it's kind of like, well, there is a sense of, yes, you're in the world and not everything's bad, Yeah, but you have to consistently check your heart and your life and the trajectory of your life and being saying, am I moving closer to the lamb or am I moving closer to Babylon? Such a good thing to think of think about as we head into our week. A couple of questions that came from the congregation. One of them, would you be willing to identify, in your opinion, the key temptations that the prostitute, our current culture, is using to draw away believers? What What are the lures that seem to be pulling us away and what do we need to do about it? I love this question. I love the next one too, but I love this question. The more I got thinking about it, um, first of all, I think sometimes we get so time locked into today, but it's the same lures. I mean, entertainment has been a lure going back to the Roman Empire. And I, I, I wish I'd have thought of this earlier and put it in the message. But when you think of the term amusement, like entertainment is for our amusement. Amuse, the word muse means to think, awe means not or don't. So literally, 
when a movie amuses you or, or you know, it, it, it means don't think. Like the whole goal is turn your brain off. And there are some times where it's fun. It's fun to watch a funny movie or whatever, but be careful. You know, the filter still has to stay on. So I think entertainment is a very, very um, valuable tool in the prostitute's tool belt, like to, uh, mm -hmm. like a, to be alluring. Um, I think identity and our culture, just like cultures past, and that can be identity as far as a role within a company or a business, identity within a family, identity within sexuality. Obviously, we're seeing in our own country. I think that's an. I think that's alluring. That's alluring that I can be something or I can be someone based on what the culture is saying. Yeah. You know, yeah. you can ditch the biblical principles on any of those, not just any one, but any of those. I think it's important. I think industry is another one that's big because. How much money can I make? How much can I have? There's a ladder to climb. And once again, none of these are new in history. And they're not going to go. They'll take different forms, but I, I don't think they're going to change. I think it's still lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, pride of life. Within our culture, I, th I think those are three that I would highlight as, as tripwires. Yeah, I think that's spot on. I would just add to that. Um, it's anything that you would try to idolize in yeah, your life. Yeah. And um, a lot of people have a hard time with like understanding what an idol is, because when you go back in the old Testament, an idol is a golden calf, yeah. right? But it's actually the idol, the bigger idol behind the golden calf is what does that golden calf bring you? Yeah. And in that sense, maybe it was fertility or it was better crops or whatever it was, you know? But if you fast forward to modern day idols, an idol, I've heard it described this way. It's basically anything in your life that you would be willing to sin in order to get. And so you have to like say to yourself, like, what in my life has such an allure in my heart that I'm willing to do things that I know go against what God has called me to do? Like, what are those things that I'm willing to like violate God's rules in order to get? Those are the things that you should be looking out for mm -hmm. and saying, those are like yellow flags. Those are red flags in my life. And I need to make sure that like I realign my desires so that like I want Christ and what he has to offer more than the allure of these things. I think, we, you know, we're going to hit on this more too going into 2024, but boy, we got to be careful of other personalities too. And that can be politicians. Mm -hmm. That can be anyone who speaks for something that we're passionate about. Yep. When they replace Jesus and your scriptures as the voice in your life. And I mentioned this Sunday, if you're more concerned about the yard sign in your yard, than whatever that's on that sign compared to your testimony to your neighbors of Christ, that can become an idol to your point. Right. Like yep. what, what am I willing to say, Jesus, I'll come back to you later, but right now this is what I'm going to focus on. Yes. That, that's a yep. big deal. And I, I see it in our culture. Once again, I've seen it. I think we can look at history right. and see it. Right. Well, I even think about it in a smaller sense mm -hmm. too, of who, like, who am I trying to please by the decisions that yeah, I'm making? So that's true. yes, we have politicians or so, like, other people that we like want to associate ourselves with mm -hmm. and have that. But it's also like, am I making a decision about something? Am I willing to sin? But because it's about me being fulfilled by somebody else's thoughts about me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like a whole different yeah. like, right. thing to think about is like, is, is your idol people pleasing? Yeah. yeah. Is your idol, the validation of other people yeah. based off the actions that you're actually doing? Yeah. Carrie, yeah. now you're meddling. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm here for. <laughs> well, speaking of meddling, I, and I call myself out on this yesterday was I, I, there are times in life where I'll just, I'll fast. I'll go on a food fast. Food is not an idol for me. I don't spend 
time thinking about like what's the next meal mm -hmm. but boy when i fast sports i'm a grouch mm -hmm. like i you, i'm not pleasant to be around because it's something that i can you know culturally i can throw myself into it i can throw myself mentally it's a fun escape mm -hmm. um it was a dream for so many years of my life i can scroll mindlessly through it sure. and enjoy it and check out is it are sports wrong? No. And I go back to it and I, you know, March Madness is coming up. There's been a time or two where I was like, oh, I know I'm supposed to give this one up and it hurts, but it's, it's one of those things going, what's going to come first? Yes. You know? Mm -hmm. So I skipped my devotions this morning. I didn't this morning, but <laughs> I, you know, I skipped my devos because I'm going to spend a little more, I spend a little more time on sports scores. I'll come back to it. I'll pray on my drive to work. Yeah. You know, right. all of a sudden something right. becomes replaced. So it's putting it back in its proper perspective. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So this next question kind of ties into this. Um, and I hope parents can really resonate with yeah. this one. At the end of the message um, this past week, Pastor Jack asked some questions for us to think on. Some of them had to do with idols, as we were just talking about. And the question was, what would wreck you if God were to take it away? And she goes, um, this is written by a mom. And it led me to think about my kids and my husband. I feel like I would do absolutely anything for them. So how do we ensure they aren't idols when we love them so incredibly deeply? It seems like it's a fine line. Oof. I guess you want me to go? <laughs> yeah. Um, it yep. is. And, and one of the advantages I have is hindsight. Uh, you know, raising four kids, uh, 30, before Gina passed, 31 years of a solid marriage. And I had to be careful that my family did not become an idol because it's very easy to do. Uh, I coached all their sports. I was involved in their schools. I mean, I would go on walks with each one individually to get the one-on-one -on -one time. And none of that's wrong in and of itself. But when everything in your life becomes about what are my kids doing? Am I taking care of them? Am I pleasing them? And and uh, my my scripture times are based on what am I doing for them? every book I'm reading, how to be a Christian parent, like, like my relationship with Jesus comes secondary to what I'm doing for my kids or my wife. Like that's where it can become an idol. And it is a fine line because of course we have a responsibility. You both are parents in that stage. Now um, we have that responsibility, but they are not our identity. They are not our life. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be a better parent if my priority is focus on Jesus, because then I'm in proper alignment with him instead of trying to be in proper alignment with how do I please my kids? How do I get them what I want? How do I get the perfect discipline? I'm listening for the Holy Spirit for me to be a better follower of Jesus to lead them well. There are things in hindsight, and there's a couple of people, one in particular, that I had this conversation with on a deep level about, about kids. And there are some things I set boundaries on based on legalism I may have put on myself or on our home based on, well, I want the kids to have this. I didn't pray about it. I just, I got angry. And therefore I slammed down some stuff and it was almost out of an idolatry. Like I'm going to make the home this way. I wish I would have prayed it through better first. Mm -hmm. So I, and in answer to this, you're not kicking your kids to the curb. You're not ignoring them you're listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit for how you can be a better follower of Jesus, which will make you a better parent, which will give you a sensitivity. They're going to make some decisions you're not going to be happy with no matter what. Yep. And that doesn't mean you were a failure. I was a failure as a parent. A plus B, we think it's automatically going to equal C. The deal is we're not A and B. We're A and their choices are going to be B. And that's going to change C. 
Am I going to be okay following Jesus if my kids turn out exactly how I want? Or if they don't, yep. I got to stay true to Christ. And that's where the idolatry, boy, that'll get you in trouble. Mm-hmm. I've talked to parents, last thing, yep. I've talked to parents whose entire faith was wrecked yep. because their kids didn't turn out the way they thought because they did it by a certain book or a certain author. Mm-hmm. Mm. My faith with Jesus has to be bigger than anything, any of that. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a good word. It's hard to add to, honestly. But yeah. I will say that it does touch on this idea that anything, even good things yeah. in your life can become idols. Yep. You know, certainly we would all confirm that our families, our spouses, our kids are gifts from God. Absolutely. And they're, they're just huge blessings in our life. And God wants us to place them up towards the top of our priority list. Right. And if we're not doing that, then we should relook at our priorities. But at the same time, Jesus says that, if somebody wants to follow me, they have to take up their cross. They have to deny themselves. They have to give up everything in order to follow me. Now, that doesn't mean that you you don't have some sort of like ownership for your kids or, right. or that you're not invested in it, but you have to, like you were saying, Jack, Jesus has to be first. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it, it really is this thing of an order of priorities yeah. and um, making sure that you're making the decisions daily that puts Jesus first yeah. so that you can be the best husband, that you can be the best father, that you can be the best worker and those sorts of things. And so it's really an order of priority in your heart. Whatever my kids choose to do, to your point, whatever my kids choose to do and following Jesus and not following Jesus and whatever they go after, it should not change my relationship with Christ. Yeah, amen. And when kids or a spouse or anything becomes an idol, they will gear your, your direction in following Jesus. And you'll consider yourself a success or a failure with Jesus based on what you've seen in your kids or your job or whatever. That's not the case. Jesus is Jesus. He's still king. The lion and the lamb, as we've been talking about with Revelation. So Right. And I would say direct advice to anybody who's struggling with this, where they're saying, like, I think this might be an idol in my yeah. life. The very best thing you can do is kind of wake up every day and say, God, my kids are yours. Yeah. Like, my marriage is yours. Like, I give it to you. I surrender it to you. Jesus is going to take care of it better than you will anyway. Make me the type of person who can follow you while I'm, while, you know, I'm living life. Right. And so that's, that's something hard to do, but it's a practice that you can get in the habit of surrendering the very things that are grabbing a hold of your heart. And the script will be different than what you would want to write. Yeah. And sometimes it goes in a way that you're like, look what the Lord has done. It's way beyond what I ever expected. And sometimes the script is, I don't know what the next chapter is going to hold, but I'm holding out for the next chapter to be better than this one. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome, guys. Well, thank you guys for joining us for this week's episode of The Follow Up. What a great conversation today. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. And we are going to be back next week as we dive into Revelation chapter 19. Have a good week.